Black Twitter determines who is Black famous. The Fly Jock makes a landing. Lizzo lets you know she's got the juice. We've got the tea with our Ready to Love finale rewind. 45 is coming at you fast, so grab some libations and join us for 30 minutes of 45. V from the D and CC Power represent teen 40s and 50s with topics to fortify Generation X. We share the Black experience and perspective to help you stay relevant because what you learned back then may not be the same in today's world. Join us as we hashtag Rethink Grown at 45show, the number 40, F-I-E-D, show on Instagram, Twitter, iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. New episodes drop every Throwback Thursday. So it's the beginning of another week, CC Power. How's it going? My week is off to a pretty good start, V. How about yourself? It's been good. It's off to a good start. The holidays are busy as usual. And we had some pretty interesting stories come through that aren't the norm. So I wanted to share some of those as our hot topics today. You good? I am feeling great. Let's get into it. All right, let me get the horn, Marby. Okay, I don't normally talk about Twitter because I'm usually not on there, but I'm quickly finding out every time I'm not on Twitter, I miss something big. So in case you missed it, Black Twitter, which is deemed the official authority of all things universally Black, exploded when a tweet went viral this week. A tweeter contemplated whether or not legendary DJ Tom Joyner, who we'll talk about in a moment, is the most Black famous celebrity of all time. Black famous is defined as the gap between Black stardom and white anonymity. Michael Harriet, the author of this latest viral question, noted that the highest possible rating on the Black famous scale would be someone every Black person knew but was unknown by every white person. So I asked, who is the most Black famous person of all time in your book, Cece? Wow. I really couldn't even begin to tell you who's the most black famous person in my book i thought the story overall was just kind of funny um it wasn't a big deal but i think that in every culture we have people that we celebrate maybe in one culture one society for whatever reason and they're not known by others outside of our bubble and i think the same thing happens with white people but i did see the whole black famous type and i'll start thinking about man all these different people, who would I think about, you know? And I thought about a few people, but I don't know who I would say most famous. I think Tom Joyner is a very good one. Yeah, he's definitely near the top. Definitely near the top. Well, the, some of the names that I saw on the list, the most obvious one, and I would say hands down, is Frankie Beverly. Most of us know who Frankie Beverly is, and if you don't, then shame on you because we've been grooving with Frankie since I was in the fourth grade and and I'm pretty damn old. (laughs) So when you think about black famous, I think Frankie Beverly, Frankie Beverly goes with barbecues, cookouts and family reunions and graduations like nobody's business. He is absolutely black famous. I think Monique is black famous. Monique is one of our favorite comedians, but once you get outside of the black community, not many people know who she is. And unfortunately, Netflix couldn't even recognize her talent. A couple other people I can think of are Cheryl Underwood, another one. She's on The View, so I think she may have, she may be a little bit higher on that Black Famous list and has the potential of crossing over. But at the end of the day, most of us know her. 
within um, Black comedic circles. So it was an interesting story. It actually got about 25,000 retweets, which is a pretty significant number when you talk about Black Twitter and some of the uh, hubbub that usually follows Black Twitter whenever they consider something to be hot. Uh, So I thought it was a cool story to pull as it relates to social media this week. Next up, we celebrated Tom Joyner this week. And as you mentioned, Tom Joyner is pretty high on that list. I would say he's probably number one or number two, actually. But in one of the most epic virtual retirement parties of all time, we bid radio titan and legendary DJ Tom Joyner of the number one nationally syndicated Tom Joyner morning show, also known as the Fly Jock, a fond farewell as he signed off for the last time in 25 years. Tom has had an amazing career and is an absolute trailblazer. If you don't know, you have to understand that syndicated radio didn't exist until Tom Joyner started it by accepting job offers in two cities. And I should amend that to say black syndicated radio. Basically, what he did was he accepted two job offers because he was so popular. He accepted one in Dallas and another job offer in Chicago. He would literally every day get on the radio in Dallas in the morning, jump on a flight, and land in Chicago to be able to broadcast there in the afternoons. He did this for eight years straight, which ultimately earned him the adoration of millions and the nickname, The Fly Job. Eight million listeners, 105 markets served, and the first nationally syndicated radio show, The Tom Joyner Morning Show, went on to raise somewhere in the neighborhood of an astounding $60 million for historically Black colleges and universities. In addition to registering thousands of people to vote in the various elections that he backed. Tom not only talks the talk and he walks the walk. And it was just an amazing celebration on the radio this week. Did you get a chance to catch his retirement party? I did not catch that, but I did catch the hype around his retirement and the celebration. And I think he should be celebrated for all that he's achieved. He was a pioneer. And he was unapologetically black. And so that's one thing that I always admired about Tom Joyner. So he was just one of those black famous, if you will, people in our society, in our culture, who really spoke truth to our people. He represented our people well, and he tried to give back as much as he possibly could. So I commend him. Great job. Absolutely. Uh, From what I understand, Ricky Smiley is actually going to take over, which in itself is a phenomenal example of bringing someone up behind you. Also a show of brotherhood because they are fraternity brothers. And then the least of which is here again, you have Ricky Smiley, who has been very active in the space of education because even though he didn't go to an HBCU, he is a strong supporter of them, but also someone who is socially conscious. I do not expect him to be able to fill Tom's shoes. Those shoes are done and they're gone forever, right? To be retired. But at the same time, yeah, at the same time, it is good to see that handoff. So I look forward to seeing what legacy uh, Ricky will be able to create going forward. If you like what you hear, join us as we hashtag Rethink Grown at 45 Show, the number 40 F-I-E-D show. New episodes drop every Throwback Thursday.
And now it's time for the Ready to Love Rewind. Now I'm ready, I'm ready to love. Here on Fortify, your hosts V from the D and CC Power have a friendly competition going about the reality show Ready to Love. The show features 20 singles in Atlanta and their search for love. It airs on OWN Saturday nights at 10 p.m. And we have finally reached the finale episode. So we spent 10 weeks or so watching these singles prepare themselves or determine whether or not they are ready to love. And in the end, there were a few little twists that got thrown into the episode. So nephew Tommy decides to meet with the different singles. And unfortunately, we had a little back and forth. If you recall on last week's episode, we talked about some of the drama that popped off with Alexis and Divine and this whole debate over London and Brent. With that being said, Nephew Tommy makes a decision that instead of there being three couples to conclude the show, there will actually be four. Those four couples end up being Divine and London, Alexis and Brent, Mario and Tandy, and Ashima and Darren. So this week we saw the couples meet each other's families. Now I don't know about you, CC Power, but usually this is one part of the make or break scenario of a relationship. If you can't meet the parents and do well, your chance is probably in the wind. What did you think about some of these meetups? Man, I was ready for it because I knew... To your point that once you meet the family, that can go two ways. That can go well, it can go not so well. And everything really hinges on that because the family is an extension of the person that you're dating or you're trying to date. And I thought as far as the family meetings with Mario and Tandy, I thought that there were some interesting dynamics happening with that. So first of all, they asked Tandy, are you submissive? Yeah, I caught that. They hit her with the S word and looked like a part of her kind of died right there in the moment. It, it you know? did die in the moment. <laughs> she died on, she just let it fall. Exactly. <laughs> her whole exactly. face fell. And, and, and they were serious. I think it was his mother, mm-hmm. his cousin, or his aunt, and his daughter. And they were like, Are you? Like, we really want to know. And she mm-hmm. was like, She came back with the, Well, I think both have to submit to each other and I was like "Mm, she's not reading the signs I mean with with Mario being an old school kind of dude you know the controlling issues as well as part of his past and now those closest to him and his family are suggesting to you that he needs a woman that is willing to submit and she's like oh no I think submission goes both ways nah sister not, not in Mario's world. I was about to so. say, not in that family. And that's, exactly. and that's the Fantasia answer, right? Because if you recall, what what is this? Probably about a month and a half or so ago, this was the whole debate with Fantasia and her husband. And that was kind of her answer, that you submit to each other. But Tommy came in the door larger than life. She wore her big hair that day. So that in itself was probably a little bit extra for that family. I also noticed that Mario's mom was a little bit more on the flashy side, which surprised me because he seems to be more conservative. But yeah, I definitely think that question threw her off. It totally threw her off. And they gave her compliments, actually. When they came in, I think his daughter was like, oh, girl, you look fly, whatever. He wasn't lying, right. you know, whatever you're banging, or whatever she said, something to that effect. Mm-hmm. So 
I think that they liked her aesthetically and they welcomed her into their world, into their home. I think that answer to that question fell flat. And I think what threw her for a loop also is when they said, have you ever seen Mario's dark side or what are you going to do when you see his dark side? Yeah, what was that about? I don't know, but that was ominous. It really was because I wanted to run out the room for her. (laughs) (laughs) That was too much. And that's like the last thing you're trying to hear in front of a family and they're all looking at you to see what your reaction is going to be. And that, that was her mother, actually, I think. I think it that was her mom that mm-hmm. did that. So mm-hmm. that's pretty telling. That's pretty telling. I think he tried to clean it up, right? He did. He did. He said that he had some anger issues in the past. And Mario is good. He is smooth. Like I told you before, that's the assassin. That's the silent assassin that you guys need to watch out for. But yeah, he did clean it up and say, hey, that was in his past. And he used to be a little aggressive. And, you know, he, he's gotten over there and that's no longer him. And, so it's going to be interesting to see how they work out because they're two opposites. And I think Tandi, when you saw Mario visit her family, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. her mother and her sister said, hey, she's loud. Right. She's in your face. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And Mario wants this submissive woman, docile, who he can control and who's always being a lady. That doesn't sound like what Tandy's going to bring to him. So I think sooner or later they're going to get an impasse. And I just don't see where they're really going to work. But I think they're going to try. But I also have to say, Mario, when he met her family, did you see him scale that back too when they were talking about how Tandy, Tandy, you know, is this larger than life figure. He's loud and she speaks her mind. And Mario was like, well, you know, I'm a confident man, so I'll just let her be who she is. And, man, we've watched you try to control this woman. Exactly. <laughs> throughout the entire season. Exactly. And and that, honestly, that threw me, and that kind of pissed me off. Let's, let's just keep it funky. Because she has been this chick from day one on the show. You know, I'm sorry. I'm from Detroit. We are larger than life, personality-wise. It's who we are. Her hair just adds to it. And I love her hair, so that's not me trying to throw shade at all but I think she has a big personality and one thing I learned a long time ago that a guy friend told me the right man will tone all that down and I honestly believe that because I've seen it right and it's not necessarily in a bad way what I think happens is some people with these larger than life personalities who end up with a mate who is not like that they tend to pull back a bit at least to a point where they don't feel like they're challenging their mate in that way. I think we saw in a couple of their run-ins earlier in the show where Mario was very mature in his approach in terms of asking her to pipe down. We go back to the pool party scene, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but even there, that was their first time kind of having that disagreement. And ultimately she backed off. So I think they are going to definitely have more of those types of exchanges until they get comfortable with each other. The question is, will they survive those different interactions? And I agree with you. He did back down when he got to her family's house. He was like, totally different dude, because you didn't hear nothing about the dark side then. I wish them well. I just don't think they're going to make it. But, you know, before we move to the other family events, Mm -hmm. I just have to say again, Mario, brother, I mean... Did you see him come again with the gift? <laughs> he brought out, this man a ring with that little ring. 
do better. When you know better, you do better. He can't. But he okay, had to so, give her the same ring. He can't he like paint the same plaster ring, and he <laughs> just he painted, painted it. He just painted the stone <laughs> and put it on a necklace, and was like, you know, I got a gift for you. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that gift. It has sentimental value and it represents their date. Why are you being such a hater? Gave her that plaster ring already. Now I'm just going to paint the stone and put it on a necklace. And say, What's you know, he supposed to do? Next time he's going to say, I got another gift for you. No, he told her that it was a placeholder for when he could put the real thing on her hand. Exactly. And she was like, ooh, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not going to have you going to stop rolling on him in that ring. I'm just saying. That, that was just, I was like, come on, dude, really? So let's switch gears and talk about Brent and Alexis. What do you think about that? You you know where my issue is already. You know, I'm already not really a fan of Alexis. I gave her props in the beginning. She did play her game. So I hope she got what she was looking for. Not. But basically, my issue here is... Yes, I did expect her meeting with the parents to go well. And I think it did until the topic came up of the mother asking her, so tell me about this cabin. Now, first of all, I'm a little salty because why did Brent even tell his mom about the cabin? Wrong. <laughs> that was wrong. And then Alexis, to her credit, she's answering honestly. Well, yeah, there was somebody else that I had a connection with at the cabin, but he did not rise to the occasion. But from Brent's comments later in the show, it almost seemed as if she spent a lot of time talking about that cabin situation and talking about London to the point where Brent starts to, to say that, you know what? I'm nobody's second. I'm nobody's runner-up. I'm first place. I'm all-star. Which, you know, we've heard that before from other men on the show, by the way. So my issue here is why harp on the London thing, especially when you're talking to his mother? Are you crazy right now? I think that <laughs> she did the right thing by answering honestly, you mm -hmm. know, and saying that there was someone else. To your point, I don't know how long she went on about that. Right. However... The whole thing about Brent being surprised that you're number two and I'm nobody's no nobody's second. <laughs> yes, you are, dude. That's exactly who you are. You are number two. Who is gonna own number two? Nobody. He's on. He's owning it. He's owning it, whether he wants to or not. He's number two. Assume your position, brother. Wow. And so if you, yo, I'm serious. You go back to Alexis, and she's the type of woman. She even said in her cast interview that. Mm -hmm. She will run over me. She said that I will run you over or bend you over if you're into that or whatever. Something like that, Alexa said. So right away, I was like, whoa, this this woman is on another level, right? She's a man eater. She she has two different personalities going on, right? So Alexis has some major issues, right? She had a representative front and center. She attacked Divine. That didn't work out well. Then after that, she attacked London, who she supposedly had a thing for all this time. She talked about him personally, talked about his belly being big. And just allegedly wrong. I hear wrong. exactly. And now I'm hearing in social media, she's talking about nephew Tommy, that he's yes. not a good host, that he's chauvinistic. And right. you know, they need to maybe have another host or a woman to balance him out, etc. So she has some major, major issues and major growing up to do. But one thing that I also noticed is that 
at the end when they had the decision moment when all the couples kind of right they were waiting mm-hmm. on each other to come back mm-hmm. together and reveal whether or not they want to be together or not. Mm-hmm. Every other couple kissed except for Alexis and Brent. No, I he kissed was, her. He kissed no. her. No, he kissed her in the mouth. No, I didn't see that. Now I, I don't think he did. So we we have well, to look we'll at that again. We'll roll the tape. We'll roll the tape. We'll roll the tape. But my issue here, a couple things. I did not like how she and, and we know there is a level of editing, so we don't know exactly how long she talked about London to the mom. But that was my first strike. Then to your point, yes, Brent playing number two and he's number one and all that. You know what? The way I see it, if you got to keep saying it, then clearly you are not number one. So let's start there. And the rest of us already knew this, but okay, now you're calling it out. And just the whole throwing Tommy under the bus on social media, uncalled for. It, It has gotten to the point now where a lot of the respect that some may have had for her for playing the game well is now out the door because to your point, the representative is gone. The gloves are off. She ready to throw down. Well, guess what? It don't work that way. And in the end, the mere fact that you're still talking about London in present day life, as in this show wrapped taping, who knows how long ago, and you are still bringing it up. Meanwhile, London and Divine living their best life. They got a new Instagram video up every other day of them kicking it. How crazy do you look right now? So to me, she's doing way too much. If she's so happy with Brent, be happy with Brent and keep these other folks' name out your mouth. It's too much. She's not happy with Brent and she's not happy with herself. (laughs) She's, She's showing that she's a miserable person. So she needs to stop and just do a retake, and go about her life. Yeah, it's it's way too much. Way too much. So speaking of Divine and London and stunting on the gram, they are quickly becoming one of my favorites. I have no idea if they're going to last because here again, we got a little drama going on because now there's this allegation slash rumor that allegedly London's kissing Alexis after the the rooftop dinner with nephew Tommy. So we know that that's going to come up in the reunion show. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there is a lot of question as to whether or not London is being honest. All I know is whether he's honest or not, they are on a game show that allows you to date each other until you make a decision. So whether or not he kissed her doesn't matter. If in the end he's choosing divine, I'm not sure that it really does. What she has to figure out for herself, and she called it right, what you're not going to do is have me out here looking crazy in these streets, and I'm not mad at her for that. And, and she nailed it. And so I think that what has to happen is whatever happens since that point, London has to make sure that he erases all of her doubts. I think for the time being, he did a good job. I cannot wait to see this reunion show because I suspect the truth will probably come out. And then you have to ask yourself, all these IG posts that are going on in current day, what does that really mean, right? Are they still seeing each other? Did they get past whatever happened? I don't know, but I can't wait to see. So I hope for London's sake that he's telling the truth, but based on his past track record in history, Odds are is that he's probably lying and he's going to get caught in a lie <laughs> during the reunion. <laughs> right. And so, And I think Divine is going to get caught looking crazy out in these streets. 
And and here's the thing. You mentioned that does it make a difference if he kissed Alexis or not? It absolutely it does. Already Devon is number two, and she's London's fallback. Now, after Alexis is attacking London all through the cabin stage, then they have the dinner, right? Where Alexis is still attacking London at on the rooftop during the dinner, and she's professing her feelings for Brent. Brent stayed over. Now, after all of that, London goes outside, tows her car, and then kisses her. That's a major issue, right? That only reinforces the fact to divine that she is number two. So, I mean, think about it. So, London, after all of this, this woman did you wrong. Now you profess that, hey, I'm your rock. You're solid with me. Because that's what he was saying at the cabin. So by the mm-hmm. time they got up to the dinner at the rooftop, that's where he was. And that's what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you pay for her to get her car towed and you kiss her? Of course that's crazy. That's that's a problem. That's problematic. It, it's and I still think- a show, though. It's still a reality show. This kind of stuff on these dating shows happens all the time. So what you going to do? She uh-huh. clearly still wants him because she's picking him and he's picking her in the end. So does that matter? No. I mean, the whole thing is a show. So if that's the case, then then throw it all away. We shouldn't even talk (laughs) about it because it's just just all a game. But being a show aside, that matters if you're in a relationship or you're trying to create something real with someone. And the reason why Divine still likes London, which she has throughout this entire show, is because she is allowing herself to be played a little bit and manipulated, in my opinion. I'm not by that. I don't think it's it's a function of her self-confidence or lack thereof. What I think is happening is two things. Number one, yeah, we won't know until we hear the final story on whether or not he actually kissed her, assuming that that comes out on the reunion show. What I also see is somebody who is looking at her competition or her nemesis, in this case, Alexis, who is pulling out all the styles to be petty, to be messy, to be a liar. And she's trying to back her dude up. Regardless of what happens, she's riding for him, right? At least as of that episode. Now, is she allowing herself to be played if her strategy is in the end she's going to end up with him? Maybe, maybe so, maybe not. I'm not really sure. But what I do know is that she met the family and created a very favorable impression from at least where I was sitting. And likewise, on the flip side. So I honestly feel like a lot of those issues are going to end up in the wash if they end up together. And my guess is that that's the way she was playing the game. I don't think she's looking at it as looking crazy, at least not as of that last episode. Yeah, I totally think that Divine knocked it out of the park when she met London's family. So she did a great job there. She was personable. She related to them. She even talked about um, having a kid named Paris. So clearly they've (laughs) talked about this off camera. So Mm -hmm. she's compromised in that regard as Mm -hmm. far as having a child for him or being willing to. So, yeah, she did a great job. So enough about them. I wish them the best. So let's move on and talk about Darren and Ashima. So this is the one who I have to give some props to. Ashima, Ashima, I'm giving Ashima some props because oh Ashima, Ashima held him down. Yes, she did. While his, Absolutely. while his father was sick, she mm-hmm. was there for him. 
She supported him the way clearly that he needed to be supported. And she's proven throughout this entire ordeal that she's there for Darren. And the icing on the cake was she said, hey, I'm even willing to work with the dogs. She didn't say dogs. She said dogs. Right. She country with the cake. Straight out of Mobile, Alabama. You got to love her. Word to my whole family, right? Word to my whole family. You got to love her. She seems so genuine and authentic and seems like she has a good heart. So big up to to, to Ashima. I mean, I think that she, she nailed it. Ashima for the win. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, we had kind of called this from the beginning. I think that there is no better test early in a relationship when you have an unfortunate circumstance. And thank God, it sounds like Darren's father is going to make a full recovery. But to have, you know, one or the other have some type of family emergency, that in itself is a test. It really is, whether you want it to be or not. And she rose to the occasion. She held him down. She represented him very well. And so I see nothing but upside with the two of them. She's still afraid of them dogs, though, because she is not a dog <laughs> person. <laughs> but I do see that she could hopefully overcome that. And, and I honestly believe that that whole dog scenario was a test on his part, right? You know, I'm going to have the dogs all in my face the whole time, which is probably does not normally happen, but to see how she was going to respond. So um, I think she's the right balance of a little bit skeptical, but also very authentic, just in terms of she's not a fan of having the female friend as a business partner. But I don't see that letting her stop her from falling in love with this man. So it'll be interesting to see if they end up together in the end. Definitely rooting for them. So the reunion part one and two, the next two weeks, we've got some sound bites that I've seen so far that are very interesting. So I expect high drama on these next two weekends as we see how this plays out. Join us next week as we talk ready to love hot topics, the rethink grown topic of the day, all on Fortified. You can find us on IG, Twitter, iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud every Throwback Thursday. So our feature topic this week is the explosion of voluptuousness that is Lizzo. Time Magazine names her Entertainer of the Year. You may know her as the recording artist out of Minnesota. Lizzo is absolutely unbothered by the criticism she's receiving after she wore a very racy outfit at the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Minnesota Timberwolves game last week in L.A. Lizzo is all of 31 years old, beautiful brown woman, and she wore a black t-shirt dress that was basically cut out in the back to reveal her thong. It was reminiscent of Prince on the award show in the yellow suit with the butt cheeks exposed. And don't ask me why I know all of this detail, because I'm the biggest Prince fan there is on the planet. So, (laughs) but that being said, this led to a lot of controversy because on the one hand, you had people celebrating her for being so confident and definitely representing a positive body image. At the same time, you have people outraged because they felt like this was absolutely inappropriate 
wrong place, wrong time, wrong stage for such a display. She quickly took to social media to kind of defend herself and explain that, quite frankly, this is who she has always been. It's who she's going to continue to be because she's a grown a woman. You don't have to like her, but you should like you instead. So here again, kind of reinforcing the message that you should like yourself and not focus on me. For years, it seems that voluptuous Black women have carried the brunt of criticism when it comes to being unashamed of their bodies. Nicki Minaj pulls a stunt, nobody bats an eye. But in a world that celebrates and prefers size 6 over size 16, many find it refreshing that Lizzo would be so confident in her display. If you recall, she was just on an award show a month earlier doing the same thing. She literally twerked in a thong and played the flute at the same time. This girl is an established musician and legit entertainer. Our ladies have enough to worry about as they grow up. And at the same time, culturally, we are being asked to accept all people, regardless of gender, race, and ethnicity. But at what point will this consistent body shaming stop? What are we going to do? There's nothing you can do to stop this woman from doing what she does. And quite frankly, I'm over it. What are your thoughts as a male looking at some of these situations, Cece? Man, there is so much to unpack with this particular situation. Because first off, I want to be sensitive. And I am sensitive to anyone who feels that they have to be someone else or they can't be themselves. We should always give people a safe space to be themselves and be their authentic selves. However, there's something to be said for people also being honest with themselves and others having the freedom to express either support or their disapproval of certain situations. And we also have to have room for where facts are facts. And so I'm fine with her being confident if that's the case, but that's not what I saw. I didn't see confidence. What I saw was a severe lack of self-confidence and self-love in her behavior. And so by her going out to the Lakers game and in a thong and showing her naked butt essentially because the thong it covered maybe 10 percent of her butt if that i didn't think that was appropriate number one number two i don't think she's really confident as she tries to put it out there that she's confident and i think there's something deeper inside her that needs to be explored and some wounds that need to be healed so if you're confident if you're smart If you're attractive, you don't have to boast about it. You don't have to scream it at the top of your lungs every time you walk in the room. People just recognize it. So whatever adjective want to be, whatever superlative that you think you are, people recognize it. You don't have to be extra and over the top. And I think that she's being extra and over the top because of some insecurities that she has on the inside. Now, it's working well for her from a media perspective. I think it's working really well. She's getting a lot of buzz. She's getting a lot of attention. It's definitely breakthrough, right? So that's working well for her. I think she's covering up some wounds on the inside. And this whole idea or this concept of body shaming, I'm not even sure if that's a thing. 
I mean, to me, that's like the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus. Like, what's body oh shame? I mean, there's a <laughs> no seriously. There's a such thing as okay, don't be rude to that person, mm-hmm. or you know, don't be disrespectful that to that person. But if I see someone and say, oh, well, I don't find what you're displaying right now as attractive. That's not body shaming. That's me telling you that what you're doing, that you're in public dressing a certain way and I'm looking at what you're offering or what you're doing and I'm making a judgment call and saying, "Mm, I don't like that. And we have to call it for what it is. And you said that, hey, if Nicki Minaj did it or when Prince did it, there wasn't an issue. But now when Lizzo does it, it's an issue. And you inferred that it was due to her weight. How many people that support her and say that this is all about her being body positive and she's confident? What if there was a man who exposed his small genitalia and he ran around in public and was talking about how confident he was and I'm so confident I'm the man and everybody's like, Woo, would you would you applaud him and say, Man, look at that guy. He's so confident. That's a confident man. Honestly? <laughs> yeah, honestly. Honestly. Because you, know, you wouldn't. You wouldn't know how to do But here, here's the thing. I, I think a couple of things. Some of the criticism was absolutely tied into her weight. So there were some comments about the fact that a woman this size should not be doing that. So when I speak of body shaming, I'm referring to those examples. I agree with you. If you're focused on the fact that that behavior was inappropriate and her attire was inappropriate, that's a different scenario. That's not what I call body shaming. But if there is a situation where you're comparing the two and you're saying, because my understanding is that Nicki Minaj did something similar at a game, at an NBA game a few years back. And so if you're looking at the Nicki Minaj situation, if in fact this happened, and then you're looking at Lizzo, one barely gets any criticism or any public play in terms of, you know, social media reaction. And now Lizzo is just blowing up social media. You got to believe there's something else going on here. And nine times out of 10, yes, it is around the body shaming issue, whether inferred or actually said more often than not, larger women do get that criticism leveled against them. And and so my issue is, and, you know, I don't disagree with some of the things that you bring up in terms of she may have some insecurities. All people have insecurities. I get that. I also believe that a lot of celebrities use some of those things to their advantage and ride it because it's part of their their presence, their brand, their persona. So I think part of her persona is the fact that she is this voluptuous woman and she's unashamed of being that. Now, to your point, you got to be consistent, right? You can't be that in one minute and then be on social media crying because people are talking about you in terms of being inappropriate. You got to roll with it if you're going to be that presence, if you're going to present yourself in that way. So... I don't necessarily have an issue with what she did. Was it appropriate for that game? Probably not a good idea because I know there are a heck of a lot of young people that are huge fans of hers. And so it is sending a wrong message to some of our daughters. But at the same time, I love the fact that she's not ashamed of her body and her body type. I hear what you're saying. And I think that there's some truth to the fact that 
she received some additional criticism because of her size. And I don't think that anyone should be mean and rude when commenting about her behavior or her size. Mm -hmm. However, I do think that it's okay for people to say, hey, I find that unattractive. And she has to understand that because she's putting herself in the public eye in that fashion. And again, I think that as a culture, it feels like to me that we're starting to go down a path where you can't say if someone's attractive or unattractive when we know it exists. We can't right. say someone is skinny or obese when you know it exists. Mm-hmm. You can't say that someone is healthy or unhealthy when you know it exists. And you mm-hmm. we know that these things exist and we know them when we see them. No one's saying that Lizzo can't celebrate herself and dance and, and do all the things that she does, but she is taking it too far when she's wearing a thong to a Lakers game, she is probably not going to be appealing to a larger swath of the population because of her size. And is that right or wrong? I can leave that up to people to say, but there are attractive and unattractive people. And when I gave you the comparison that... (laughs) Of the man? Exactly. Mm -hmm. You really didn't speak to that. You said you were going to speak to it. Oh, I can speak to that right now. but, but But you didn't speak to it because I would tell you that people wouldn't come out and the people that are supporting Lizzo would not come out in that situation and say, oh, man, that is a confident guy. That guy's so confident. That guy's so confident. I think some people would say it, but if they said it, it would be very facetious. It would be very facetious, right? right. So because America in general, society in general, is a very sarcastic culture. So because we know it's not generally accepted for you to go street regardless of your size, then we know people are going to comment on it in a very facetious way. So to your point, politically correct or not, we got a lot of growing to do in that space because right now everything's off limits. So I agree with you from that perspective. I also believe that culturally we are not ready to hear these truths. Until we are, you are always going to have topics that are taboo. So that being said, Make sure you hit us up and leave us some comments on this topic. Is Lizzo right or is she wrong or is she just flagrantly inappropriate in terms of her outfit at this game? And what are your thoughts on body image and body shaming? Make sure you hit us up on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Instagram, along with Stitcher. And also make sure you join us next week on The 45 Show. 45 is brought to you by your host, V from the D, CC Power, producer Marv B, and we look forward to seeing you next week.